Good morning. Another day on indictment watch for Donald Trump. New York and New Mexico linked by nuclear waste and the company that moves and stores it. And another protest calling for the resignation of Pacifica Radio's general counsel, Arthur Schwartz. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the news for Wednesday morning, March 22nd, 2023. The international media has descended on one Hogan Place, the office of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, where hundreds of reporters and a handful of protesters are waiting for the expected indictment of former President Donald Trump. If the grand jury that's been meeting in secret for weeks hands down charges, Trump would be the first former American president ever to face justice before a court of law. While Trump is facing federal investigations for his alleged role in the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol and a state investigation in Georgia for a phone call demanding officials find him thousands of votes, the New York investigation is more mundane. Did Trump falsify business records to cover up hush money payments to women who accused him of sexual encounters? But not everyone is buying the narrative that Trump is a criminal. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, a Republican, says it's all politics. We live in America and it should be equal justice. Um, this was personal money. This wasn't trying to hide. This was seven years ago, statute of limitation. And I think in your heart of hearts, you know, too, that you think this is just political. And I think that's what the rest of the country thinks. And we're kind of tired of that. Amongst the sea of cameras and lights along Center Street across from the New York City jail known as the Tombs, a handful of pro and anti-Trump voices competed to be heard. One woman argues it's time for Trump to be held accountable. Because we need justice in this country. We need the law to be fair. If anyone has done just a little bit what Donald Trump has done in the business world or in the political world, someone will be in jail. Someone has to answer. Even if I'm not in your news, I don't care. I'm just saying if you have the right to voice your opinion, so am I. Let's, but what about our, uh, Jared Kushner? What about Jared Kushner? He was not even allowed, he was not even cleared to be in the White House. You see, you see, the vice president is the vice president and the, and the son-in-law, the, the husband and the daughter of the president. Why are you shifting the conversation? Guys, slide it down. You're shifting the conversation. Slide it down this way, please. You don't have the answer to what I just asked you. Will you think he should be in jail for what he's done? You need to answer the, you need to answer the question. No, we don't. We don't think he should be in jail for what he's done. No. Most of them do it. We don't think he Let should be in jail that. for what he does. I need to walk through. What, what should he be in jail for? For, for what? For, for, for enjoying himself as a man? Most men do it. Married men do it all the time. Especially people in this government. Should I talk about it? There have been probes into Trump's casino and real estate dealings, allegations of bribery and improper lobbying, fraud allegations against the now defunct Trump University and charitable Trump Foundation, and a probe by the Manhattan District Attorney into sales at the Trump Soho Hotel condominium in lower Manhattan. Trump is running for president yet again, and an indictment won't stop his campaign. Senator Lindsey Graham, a Trump supporter, commented, the prosecutor in New York has done more to help Donald Trump get elected by helping him, at least in the short term. In related news, the number of Oath Keepers convicted of conspiracy to obstruct justice and sedition for the January 6th insurrection grew to more than a dozen 
as four more members of the self-described militia were convicted in a Washington courtroom this week. Jurors found Sandra Parker, Laura Steele, Connie Meggs, and William Isaacs each guilty of the most significant charges they faced, conspiracy to obstruct Congress proceedings, obstruction of an official proceeding, and conspiracy to prevent a federal officer from discharging duties. Stuart Rose, the group's national leader, was convicted in November of seditious conspiracy. You're listening to the news from New York City. I'm Paul Durienzo. In more national news, New York and New Mexico have something in common besides an adjective. They both host radioactive waste that's proving harder to get rid of than originally thought. In New York, the Indian Point nuclear power station sits closed and awaits eventual demolition, and the state of New Mexico hosts several nuclear dumps that are scheduled to receive the demolition debris of Indian Point and several other decommissioned nuclear plants. But a kink has occurred in the plan when last week, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham of New Mexico signed a bill blocking the firm Holtec International from building an underground storage site for spent nuclear fuel. It's a big deal in New Mexico, the location of the first nuclear bomb blast named Trinity that happened in July of 1945, and the Los Alamos National Laboratory where the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki were assembled. Nuclear research and uranium mining has disproportionately hit indigenous people for decades with cancer and other diseases, and a lack of urgency by the federal government to deal with the problem. New Mexico also is the site of a government dump for military waste, and just over the border in Texas, another dump was built near Laredo. Leona Morgan of the Diné, or Navajo Nation, is an anti-nuclear activist and community organizer. She spoke in favor of the bill at a public session before it was passed. She tells the news the bill marks a big change in New Mexico's formally welcoming attitude to the nuclear industry. Last night in New Mexico, the governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham, signed into law a bill that would prohibit the state of New Mexico from issuing state permits for a a consolidated interim storage facility for high-level radioactive waste. We stopped a nuclear waste dump for all of the waste from all the commercial nuclear power plants in the country from coming to New Mexico. And this is a proposal by a company called Holtec, which actually owns Indian Point, and folks should know about Holtec up there. What is Holtec? Holtec International is this big nuclear company that does multiple levels of nuclear activities. Basically, they self-proclaim they have this vertical integration system where they will decommission power plants, build a nuclear waste dump in New Mexico where they'll bring all the waste, and then they're also talking about other things like reprocessing, small modular nuclear reactors, and just things that are not happening right now here in this country, but making plans as if New Mexico wants it. And so they're telling people I was on one of these IndyCAP meetings, the nuclear decommissioning um, citizen advisory panels for one of the plants over there. I don't know if it was Plymouth or Indian Point. Holtec International was saying, we're going to decommission your power plant in eight years. We're going to clean it all up and get the surface to be reused again by the community or whatever, however they were selling it to them. But the thing they were saying that really enraged me was, The best part of it is we have a place we're going to take this stuff and we're going to take it to New Mexico where those people want it because they want to make money from this waste. They don't look at it as waste. They look at it as opportunity because we're so downtrodden and poor and uneducated or whatever they were saying. So I got on the phone and said, 
hey, I'm here from New Mexico to tell you we don't want that waste and that nuclear waste dump will never be built. Holtec does all kinds of nuclear processing, decommissioning. They want to build small modular nuclear reactors. And then, of course, this temporary dump in New Mexico, which is called Consolidated Interim Storage, or CIS. We say CIS for short. But that interim part is 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 laughable because the idea is they're going to store all of the waste from the different reactors across the country, the nuclear commercial power plants, and bring it here to New Mexico. And for the interim, which could be over 100 years, to store it until the United States figures out what to do with it permanently. Morgan, who has organized events with indigenous uranium miners as far afield as Congo in Africa, says New Mexico was cursed with some of the richest deposits of the radioactive element. Uranium occurs in the world everywhere. Somehow in New Mexico, Mount Taylor is one of our sacred mountains to many of the indigenous nations. It was mined for uranium the Black Hills, Grand Canyon. As an indigenous woman here, knowing the story of the Trinity bomb, all of the things that have happened, the Church Rock spill of 1979 that was not addressed. You know, when we compare these things to Three Mile Island and how folks in the East Coast are treated differently and white communities are treated differently when it comes to waste and contamination and healthcare. So in New Mexico, we're a majority people of color state. A lot of our state is very culturally intact. There's more than 20 indigenous nations living pretty much in our original homelands. This is very different than any other place in the country. Out in the West, many of the indigenous people, we live where our ancestors lived. For us to be working on these issues, in fact, just to bring it back to Holtec, the reason I work on this issue is because colonization, it wasn't just something that happened when the United States was formed. It goes way back. Things like the railroad, all of these laws and and ways that were to contain our mother earth and to uh, divide up and put all these invisible lines on her. And Morgan adds, the days of New Mexico welcoming waste from other states is coming to an end. We are tired of being a national sacrifice zone. We've been working for years and years to address this issue, and we've been saying we don't want to be dumped on. It's not just about fighting it, fighting the system. It's about educating each other about what does this mean that we have this radioactive waste here, and what happens if there was some kind of leak? What does that mean for the people of New York City? So that's, for me, not my problem over here, but I think around the world, it's everybody's problem. Leona Morgan of the Diné, or Navajo Nation, is an anti-nuclear activist and community organizer. Meanwhile, in New York, Holtec International has been busy in the Empire State. The company is responsible for decommissioning the Indian Point nuclear power plant and announced last month it will resume dumping radioactive wastewater containing the isotope known as tritium into the Hudson River as early as this August. The Hudson River Sloop Clearwater Environmental Director is Mana Joe Green. Indian Point is about 35 miles north of New York City on the east side of the Hudson River. It operated for more than 40 years as a nuclear power plant, but it also generated more than 40 years of 
highly radioactive nuclear waste. That waste has been stored in what are called fuel pools so that they could cool off a little bit. They're still very highly radioactive and hot in temperature. But sitting in the fuel pools, they have cooled off enough that Holtec is allowed to move them to what's called dry cask storage. A metal canister inside of a concrete cask on a concrete pad, instead of water-cooled, they're air-cooled. There's a That process is taking place as part of the decommissioning of Indian Point. They have been slowly but surely moving the fuel rods out of the pools into dry cast storage. In the past, they have at times discharged radioactive water, which is treated, but the treatment does not remove all of the radioactivity. It can remove a good percentage of the heavier isotopes that have very long half-lives. But it can't remove tritium. Tritiated water cannot be distinguished from water. They just let the tritium be discharged into nearby waterways. And in the case of Indian Point, that is the Hudson River. When they say it's just water, it goes through your body rather quickly, it's not going to go into your bones the way cesium or strontium might, it won't be in there long enough to do any damage. The common understanding in the 1970s, when the current regulations from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission were put into place, tritium was really dismissed as a problem. But there's been a wealth of research and peer-reviewed papers, et cetera, showing that that's not the case, that, in fact, tritium absolutely can cause health problems. In a sense, it's more of a threat. It moves into the cells so easily. Certainly, strontium-90 and cesium and other larger heavier radioactive isotopes are also a very serious problem. To a certain extent, those can get filtered out. Holtec has stated that they're going to be discharging close to a million gallons of radioactive water from the two fuel pools that are still being emptied. As soon as August of this year, There is a very important piece of legislation proposed by State Senator Harcum and Assemblymember Dana Levenberg to prevent discharge of radioactive water into New York waterways. In addition, both Westchester County and Rockland County have recently passed memorializing resolutions opposing Holtec's plan to discharge the radioactive water from the fuel pools into the Hudson River. What do they do with a million gallons of contaminated water? Well, the radioactive fuel rods are being stored on site in the casks. There are two possibilities and perhaps more for storing the water, and that would be to leave it in the fuel pool. The fuel pools have leaked 
and in fact leaked into the groundwater and the groundwater under the plant. I want to just put in a word, if I could, for the precautionary principle. When you have pollution or radioactivity contained, releasing it out into the environment, be that the water or the air or pouring it into the ground, all of those should be prevented and can be. And that's what we're asking to change the plan and to keep it contained, at least for, say, 50 years. Manage Joe Green is Environmental Director for the Hudson River Sloop Clearwater. And finally, a diverse group of protesters met again at the offices of New York Attorney Arthur Schwartz, who's uh, General Counsel for the not-for-profit Pacifica Foundation, the outfit in California that holds the licenses to four radio stations, including WBAI in New York. They're protesting plans by some in the fractious organization to sell a building owned by Los Angeles station KPFK. Protests have been held in support of Pacifica National Board Directors who are trying to block the sale. A longtime board member from the San Francisco Bay Area, where Pacifica Station KPFA is located, is Steve Zeltzer. He says Schwartz wants to sell the assets to pay his own legal bills. There's been an effort to corporatize Pacifica and and make it more like NPR. There have been people in Pacifica, particularly at KPFA, who've always been of the view that it should not be a democratic institution. It should be self-appointed boards. And many of these people with the Democratic Wellstone Club, they're ex-members of the Communist Party, who have organized for years, and some of them are multimillionaires, to basically turn uh, Pacifica into a top-down organization, corporate top-down organization. What you describe, why they're doing what they're doing, is because it's the only places in America where communists and socialists can be heard, like, and that they that's, don't want to lose true. it to anarchists. They have a view, ideological view, that the network of the station should be like NPR. It should not be an activist network. It should be their type of professionals, not be an activist network. And when I was first elected as a staff representative, many of these people at KPFA are lawyers. They were spending hours at these board meetings discussing how they could sue Pacifica in order to break it up, break the foundation up and get a judge to take it over and sell the station, sell WBI's, the, uh, the, um, the broadcast licenses that they have. Is that so why that they were so resistant to having anything to do with Occupy? They do not want to link up with movements. KPFA yes. actually was at its height. More live programming, they covered the free speech movement live. They won't even do that now. When thousands of people are protesting the Nazis uh, a couple of blocks from the station, they won't cover it live. They won't interrupt the programming. They don't want to do a movement or live programming on Pacifica to cover, except for congressional hearings. Mm-hmm. That's their exception. Well, I mean, you know, they have penalized people or given letters of reprimand to people who've talked about rallies, basically said there's a rally going on, people are, and they were told that if they urged people to go to a rally and they were hurt at a rally, then KPFA would be liable legally mm-hmm. for the injuries. How is it that BAI now is like the villain? The people that run KPFA, actually, the former manager, Quincy McCoy, who's still actually, he was organized to get his pal, John Verniel, to become executive director. They conspired and organized to get rid of the executive director in Los Angeles and bring in this guy, John Verniel, who is a commercial-type operator. He believes in commercial radio and to organize a takeover, the shutdown takeover of WBAI. This was all organized and orchestrated. Unfortunately, in my view, 
the people that did that illegal action were not taken up and made accountable. Uh, they should have been prosecuted legally in New York, and they should have been removed from the Pacifica Foundation because they clearly violated the bylaws of the Pacifica Foundation. They weren't. One of the problems is there's no accountability. When people do things like that, they're not held accountable, and they continue to be on the Pacifica National Board, the same people that were involved in conspiring and organizing to shut down WBI. They're still on the Pacifica National Board, and some people in New York are actually working with them and voting for them. In fact, they're voting for them to allow them to, to stay in office, even though they're, the bylaw says you have to be removed after six years. And the, the lawyer now who actually helped protect WBI, Arthur Schwartz, is actually encouraging them to ignore the bylaw for purposes of making plans to basically sell off parts of the Pacifica network, including selling the building in Los Angeles, KPFK. Do you think that Arthur Schwartz has a conflict of interest? I believe he has a conflict of interest because he's owed $150,000, and he is only going to get paid at this point by the sell-off of assets from Pacifica. In his personal vested interest to sell KPFK in Los Angeles so he can take out of that $150,000 as payment. In my view, that's a conflict of interest. There were officers of KPFA, including the manager at KPFA, who voluntarily testified for John Vermeil. In other words, voluntarily, they testified for somebody who was pursuing Pacifica. And these people are still officers, and the manager, Maria Negret in Berkeley, is still the manager at KPFA. Now, why would you have a person employed by Pacifica Foundation who is voluntarily testifying for somebody who's in an arbitration to get money out of Pacifica. Flat off, they would be fired in any other corporation. But Arthur Schwartz defends these people. Steve Zeltzer is a former member of the Pacifica Board of Directors and a group calling itself Rescue Pacifica. They're calling for New York lawyer Arthur Schwartz to resign as the foundation's legal counsel. And that's the news for Wednesday morning, March 22nd, 2023. The news is produced by this reporter. You can get the news at pauldirienzo.com. From New York City, I'm Paul Dirienzo. Thanks for listening.